a Hollywood screenwriter's memories of working at the legendary MGM Studios. I'm Richard. And I'm Gary. And these are our incredible stories. Hello and welcome back to all of our listeners from around the world and across the United States. We're happy to have you back with us again for some more incredible stories. If you're joining us for the first time, welcome to the show. We hope that you enjoy. And uh, if you like it enough, go ahead, hit that subscribe button. And every Friday, free of charge, we'll treat you to a free episode of Richard and Gary's Incredible Stories. Now, go ahead, sit back and relax, because we're going to get started with our story today. And Gary, I'm happy to report to you that we have returning to us one of our favorite uh, guest storytellers, a person who has really enthralled us with uh, some good uh, chatter about uh, Hollywood and movies and movie making and and some famous Hollywood people. And her name, of course, is Esther Luttrell, and we're going to welcome her back. She was a Hollywood screenwriter, plus a lot more, not just a screenwriter. And so tonight, we're going to be talking not about the producers, not about the stars so much, but we're going to be talking about Esther and some of the things she did, uh, production coordinator uh, and uh, working in the music department for some music as a music assistant to the music editor and what have you. So Esther, welcome. Welcome back. We are so thrilled and honored to have you with us. You are so cute. Thank you. Thank you for that introduction. I know Gary's in there too. Thank you, Gary. Oh, you're welcome. Um, but I, ha- I have to tell you something. You got listeners and they say, Esther, who? And I want to tell them, don't, be concerned that you don't know who I am. My mama sent me a Christmas card, and she misspelled my first name, and I'm an only child. So, if my mama doesn't get it right, I don't expect you to know. <laughs> oh, well, I tell you what, you've already already earned uh, yourself a, a future uh, guest appearance on our podcast because uh, it's been a long time since somebody said I'm cute. <laughs> well, you've got a cute voice. <laughs> no, I saw your picture. You are cute. Oh, thank anyway, good. Thank, thank you. goodness you you're, don't see. <laughs> thank goodness you don't see what Gary and I look yeah. like today. <laughs> I have seen pictures, uh, and and you look like father and son, and, and you're cute alike. Oh, um, thank you. But what I what I love about you is that everything I know about you is genuine, and I I hate Hollywood hustle. You know, the world is so noisy. Everybody's pitching something at you. And you guys don't pitch. You just come in, you enjoy yourselves, and you tell your stories. And enjoying yourself, you make your guests so comfortable. So I'm hoping that we make the listeners as comfortable as you make your guests. And I think speaking Thank on you. behalf of the listeners, uh, this is going to be another incredible story. So I guess, Esther, what we'll do is ask you to start with um, <clears throat> your days as production coordinator on Chips, which was, uh, for those people who are younger in our audience may not remember, but it was a television show, and she worked on it for five out of its six seasons. Right, Esther? Right, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, okay. Well, you know, to tell that story, I, I almost have to go back to how I came to work at MGM in the first place. Is oh, that bearable great, for you? 
great starting point. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Well, I, I never had um, a career. I never had a career. I I didn't even know what that meant. I thought, it, you know, women in business suits with a scowl on their face was how kind of the image I had. I never thought about a career. I just hoped somebody would hire me, and I'll, I like I don't have any skills. So if you don't have any skills, you pick up a pencil and go, well, I can write. You know, I know how to write. And writing is just a matter of thinking on paper. You're just thinking. It's coming through your fingers. So you don't need any real skills. Unfortunately, you know, I've been able to sell a few things along the way. And then I decided to go to L.A., not because of a movie career. Actually, the truth is, I was chasing, I mean, I was not chasing, I was running from an abusive husband. And I just kept running, and then I ran into uh, the Pacific Ocean. We ran out of asphalt, Mm -hmm. and I just stopped. That's the honest truth. There are many ways that people end up in Hollywood. Most of them uh, try out uh, as uh, waiters and, uh, you know, uh, service industry people. Right. I never did that. I had been in the Midwest. I'd been in Kansas City, and I'd been making educational films. You know, uh, Johnny learns to eat with a spoon and that sort of thing. Really exciting stuff. And uh, a lot of my friends had gone on to Hollywood. Uh, I I could name a few who actually made movies. And they would say, come on, Esther, uh, Robert Altman. Uh, He, you know, is from Kansas City, and we had done a picture we were on a picture together. We were nothing. Neither of us was anything. <laughs> we were just there. And that picture was called The Cool and the Crazy, and it was 100 years ago. But when it finished, <clears throat> Robert went on to Hollywood. And then a few years later, not many, um, I had a call from him. And he said, why don't you come on out to Hollywood? And I said, are you kidding? I'd starve to death. Everybody out there is smart and pretty and no way, I'm you're making little educational films where I got a little bit of an handgun. And he told me a funny story then about MASH. And he said, well, Esther, he said, I'll tell you the truth. I just finished a picture. I said, you did? A real movie? He said, I did. He said, but let me tell you what happened. I directed it, and it was so bad when I finished. <laughs> it couldn't be shown. Oh. It just couldn't be shown. Oh, so I put on a shelf. And I said, oh, my gosh, what happened, honey? And he said, well, I'll tell you what happened. We had an editor who said, no, I think there's a story in here somewhere. And on weekends, he would play with it in the editing room. And finally, one day, he said, I think you ought to come over here and and let me show you what we've got. He, He said, I went over. By thunder, he found a real movie in there. We took it back to the studio, and it's coming out soon, and it's called MASH. Oh, wow. That is so exciting. <laughs> so anyway, uh, I never looked. I never looked Robert up when I got to Hollywood. I I never wanted to impose on people who had made it or wanted them to think the only reason that I was calling on them is because they could help me. No, no way. Anyway, so years later, running from this abusive husband, and I end up in L.A. and I'm driving down the street in a 12 year old car. I don't think I am. Hollywood material at all. I mean, nothing I've done would prepare me to find a place in Hollywood. And I'm driving down Melrose, and I see off to my left this great big tall building in the back of this gigantic parking lot. And it says, 
CBS and great big letters on the side. I went, wow, that's CBS. Oh, wouldn't that be a wonderful place to work? Oh, yeah, but I don't do anything. Hmm. <laughs> and I thought, you know what? What if they took me on the cleaning crew and I could work at night? And then maybe I'd find somebody's desk where I'm cleaning in the room and I could leave a script on their desk. Maybe. And so, oh, I got all excited about that. And I wheeled in and I parked and I went in the side door. And I think it was personnel door or something. And uh, straight uh, there was a little security guard there is what there was. And I said, where's personnel? And he said, it's at the end of the hall. So I go down and the door is open. And there's no one in the front part. But I see another door open inside, and there's a woman sitting at her desk eating a sandwich. And she said, can I help you? And I said, hi, yeah. Uh, I, I just was thinking about uh, what well, wonderful fun it would be to work at CBS and just sort of followed a hunch and came in. She said, come on back here. I'm having lunch. My girl's out to lunch. Sit down. Talk to me. What do you want to do? So we started talking, and she said, uh, I think I could find a place for you. I said, doing what? I don't have any skills. And she said, what have you been doing? And I said, making educational films in the Midwest. And she said, oh, I got an idea for you. How would you like to work in our uh, script department? I said, are you serious? She said, no, I am. Yeah, we've got an opening. I said, oh, my gosh. So I went to work the following Monday in the CBS script department. Oh, wow. Now, I am so proud of myself. And I go to their commissary. And the commissary has a row between tables, and there's a bunch of plants on top of it. So you can't see who's on the other side. And I'm having my, my, my little snack, and I hear these two women on the other side talking. And what about this? Have you met the new girl in the script department? And, and she said, no, I haven't. Oh, they finally got somebody. And she said, yeah, they had to lower the standards, but they finally oh, oh, got no. them. <laughs> my big puffed out chest <laughs> and I loved it there I loved it I'd been there three months but I worked from six o'clock at night till uh six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve what what's it? I got off at two I got up at two in the morning so uh, I think yes uh networks aren't union so I was destined to be poor and tired the rest of my life if I stayed there. But what I loved about it is during the day, they would work, they would film or tape these TV shows. I tell you how long ago it was, you know, one day at a time at the Jeffersons and all of those things. Mary Tyler Marshall. Anyway, they would tape these and then they would send the scripts down in a shoot for those six of us, I think there were in the script department, to fix. Nobody knew who we were. It's like putting your tooth under their pillow and, and getting a quarter in the morning. You know, the tooth fairy came. I don't know who they think wrote this, but in the morning when they came to work, their script was all fixed. And we're down there in the basement. There was actually a pipe that ran across where I sat, and, and there was a drip of water constantly on the top of my head. So nobody knew we were down there. Oh, wow. But it was wonderful. And I got to uh, six or eight, right after eight o'clock, we would take a break. And I go up and sit in an audience uh, or sit back with the craft service table because they had the great stuff on their service tables. The Mike Douglas show or uh, Lawrence Welk. Anyway, it was just great. I loved it. I got along with everybody. One morning, I woke up. 
so you go to bed, you get home, it's 2 o'clock, you go to bed. By the time you're asleep, it's 3, you wake up, it's 9. And I wake up and I say, you know what, I love it there, but I can't do these hours. And I need more money. But that's really great to, you know, to know that I'm working at CBS. Where would I work if I could work anywhere in the world I wanted to work? Well, I thought about my love, MGM, June Allison, all those musicals, everything I grew up on. I loved MGM. And I turned over in my nightgown, and I grabbed the phone, and I called information, and I got the number for MGM personnel. And they put me right through, and I got a woman named Susan. And I said, hi, I'm actually lying in bed thinking, where would I like to work if I could work anywhere in the world? And the answer is MGM. <laughs> is there any possibility that I could fill out a form or do whatever it is? And she said, well, talk to me a little bit. This is a strange conversation. So we talked. <laughs> we talked. I told her about being at CVS down in the basement with the water dripping on my head and how much I loved it. Yeah. And she said, she said, Esther, how fast do you think you could get here? And I said, oh, my gosh, I'm on my way. <laughs> when I came through the door, she looked at her watch and she said, 14 minutes. That's not possible. <laughs> we talked for a little bit. That was on a Tuesday. We talked for a little bit. And she said, this was the week before Christmas. She said, how would you like? To work on the lot where you don't have one office or one job, you just do whatever you need to do for producers, directors, uh, mainly producers and directors. I said, well, what's that mean? She said, I don't know. They might have you go to a play and see if it would make a good script, or they might have you uh, do some research for them. Uh, it's different things. And she just, you just wrote in the lot, and we just send you wherever the producer or director actually asks for some help. I said, oh, my gosh. And I said, I love it. And she said, okay, start Thursday. I said, oh, I can't. I can't just walk off and leave my job at CBS. And she said, well, it's Thursday or nothing, hon. So that night uh, when I went to work, I asked my boss. I said, I, I'll never walk off and leave you. And if you say that it's inconvenient or put you in a bind, I won't do it. But this is what happened today. So he clapped his hands and said, I, I have an announcement to make. One of us is escaping the basement. <laughs> and I started I started work the following Thursday at MGM. Once I got in and I saw people had been trying to get in for years, waiting tables and, you know, aspiring. Um, I had a table for 12 in the commissary, and every time I ran across somebody like that, they were invited to lunch on Monday. And I said, all right, you're on the lot. I don't embarrass me. Don't use my name because nobody here knows or cares. Make a bit of what you will. See where you can go. You're on the lot now. And I, I did that all the years I was at MGM. I was a joke. Everybody, oh, there's Esther and her little chickadees over there. <laughs> <laughs> but some people went on. One became Joan Rivers' head writer. Another one wrote a Jerry, uh, what's his name? Anyway, wrote a, a, a movie and uh, they, many of them. Went, went on and actually did something with that one tiny little opportunity. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, once you have the uh, foot in the door, uh, anything can happen there in Hollywood. It's getting the yeah. foot in the door. It's getting the foot in the door. I mean, uh, how many people would think of rolling over in bed and just calling, uh, getting a cold call to MGM? You know what I think that says? 
right? don't think that what you want to do is outside the realm of possibility. A lot of people don't try to do their highest desire because they say, oh, I could never do that. I've had lunch with so many people who have had all kinds of degrees, and they say, I want to do so-and-so, but I don't feel qualified, and I'm asking you because I know what all you've done, and I know you only went to the ninth grade. How did you do it? And I said, first of all, don't limit yourself. You know, no matter where school, I mean, I replaced two PhDs on a PhD grant, and I lectured at Harvard. Don't limit yourself. It's not that you're something great or fantastic or different than other people. It's that we all have God intelligence. And, you know, all things I am can do and be through Christ my Lord or lose in me, if you want to put it that way. But we have it within ourselves to just quietly see if we can't achieve goals by simply trying. Yeah, we have to be real careful not to trample on somebody else's dream. Oh, absolutely. A lot of us have opportunities, but when it comes, we're we're not ready for it. You know? One of the things I've always taught Gary is when opportunity starts knocking at your door, you be sure to answer it. Yeah. And it's okay if once you get in there, you go, you know what? I thought this is what I wanted. Mm-hmm. I'm really not happy here, mm-hmm. and yeah. I don't feel right here. And and you say, pardon the mistake, you know, pardon the ring, <laughs> yeah. and and you and you go elsewhere. You don't have to. You never have to stay where you're not comfortable. You don't have to. Oh, absolutely. But one thing, uh, Esther, that was not a mistake was when you uh, said goodbye to CBS and joined up with MGM. Um, Esther, you have so many incredible stories to tell us that we are definitely going to invite you back for next week. And I'm uh, absolutely looking forward to some more behind-the-scenes stories uh, from MGM. How about you, Gary? Oh, absolutely. But, like you said, it is that time again. It is the magic moment. I'm uh, Richard, and thank you, Esther. Thank you, thank you. And I am Gary, and yes, thank you, Esther, for your wonderful stories. And until next time, we'll be uh, hoping that you'll come back and join us to hear part two of this incredible story. Mm -hmm. See you next time.